Hello, this is Pastor Pete Beck III with LifeNet in Burlington, North Carolina. Welcome to today's podcast, which is entitled, Hello, Elephant in the Room. This is the 17th article in the series entitled, Wonderful Counseling. The rest of the articles in this series can be found on my website, thirdpeter.com. Those who argue that there is no need to address generational devastation at all in the light of the New Covenant usually use Ezekiel 18 as a proof text. So let me read it to you. These are verses 19 and 20. Yet you say, why should the son not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity? When the son has practiced justice and righteousness and has observed all my statutes and done them, he shall surely live. The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. That's the New American Standard Bible. Properly interpreting and applying this passage in a New Covenant context is the focus of this article. In order to understand Ezekiel 18's impact on the subject of generational devastation, it is necessary to separate judicial judgment and sentencing from the law of sowing and reaping. For example, if a father is a drug dealer and is apprehended by the law, his children will not go to jail with him. However, they will be negatively impacted by his incarceration. This is simple enough to grasp. The children will suffer the absence of their father in the home with all that means. Lack of income, lack of presence, lack of affirmation, lack of discipline, lack of wisdom and guidance, and lack of protection. The negative effects of the father's imprisonment may last for a lifetime or even generations, especially if the sons in the family buy into the lie that their lot in life is to follow in their father's footsteps. Or the daughters may accept the embedded lie that they are not loved and cannot depend on men. The poverty that will likely accompany the loss of their father may limit the children's access to many things in life and may tempt them to try to better their situation illegally. Also, the absence of a father may contribute to the proliferation of the single mom household pattern, which is all too prevalent today. Many low-income communities are experiencing this type of generational devastation. Children often suffer generationally, even though they are not judicially sentenced for their father's crimes. The mechanics of sowing and reaping generational devastation, as described above, consists largely of the planting of deeply embedded lies in the hearts and minds of children, which often persist into adulthood. In addition, it involves the creation of traumatic and painful wounds in the hearts of children, which, left unhealed, can negatively influence decision-making and behavior into adulthood. It may also involve demonization 
since people, especially young children, may be tempted to befriend evil spirits posing as imaginary friends and helpers. This may sound strange, but it happens a lot and will be covered later in this series. But let us consider Ezekiel 18 from another angle. Even though God commands us not to punish children in courts of law for the crimes or sins of their fathers, God may do so in his heavenly court. We have this from no less an authority than our Lord Jesus himself. The passage is found in Matthew 23, 29 through 38. I'm going to just read to you verse 36. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. In other words, Jesus wept over the children of Jerusalem, knowing that they would reap the whirlwind of God's judgment when it finally fell upon the nation in 70 AD at the hands of the Romans. Those children in his hearing would be somewhere around 37 years old when judgment came. They would be the adults in positions of power and influence at that time of reckoning. Children who were not even yet born were in their fathers when their fathers sinned. Children who were alive when their fathers sinned, as was the case with the children present when Jesus spoke the words above, still reaped the consequences for what their parents did. The, the judicial punishment for killing the Messiah. The only way out was for them to repent and renounce the evil deed, which is exactly what happened on the new first new covenant Pentecost. I'll read from Acts 2, 36 through 41. Peter spoke, he said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Those who responded in faith to the gospel message were released from the awful prospect of being judged by God after death for rejecting and killing the Messianic king. But they still lived in a land that was under God's judgment because the vast majority of the leadership and populace refused to acknowledge their awful sin. Unrepentant sin, even that of long-dead ancestors, demands that God's justice and judgment be released. When a person dies, their guilt does not evaporate. It gets passed to succeeding generations who often replicate and participate in the sins of their fathers. When children do not renounce the sins of their fathers, according to Jesus, it puts them in agreement with their fathers. 
It is not enough for descendants merely to say, I did not do it. From God's point of view, we did do it indirectly, perhaps in and through the action of our fathers. As I pointed out earlier, this is hard for the Westerner to swallow. Yet, if we are to be biblical in our thinking, we must. God requires repentance from us on behalf of our fathers, which is one of the first steps in undoing the effects of generational devastation. The Bible gives us numerous examples of this very thing. For example, Nehemiah 9-2, Jeremiah 14-20, and Daniel 9-16-21. In addition to forgiving those who repented, Jesus warned his forgiven followers to flee Jerusalem when they saw God's wrath and judgment approaching. Matthew 24-16. It is, as is usually the case, I suppose, that there were some who did not heed Christ's warning and were caught up in the destruction of Jerusalem. Those who did obey escaped. Lot's rescue from Sodom and Gomorrah was an old covenant picture of this. Sometimes, however, descendants cannot escape. An entire nation may get caught in the trap of reaping the whirlwind of God's judgment. I fear for what may be ahead for the USA for the horrific sin of slaughtering over 60 million innocent babies. May God have mercy on us and turn this nation back to him. In summary, Ezekiel 18 states a principle that human courts of law should not judicially sentence children for the sins or crimes of their parents. However, in God's heavenly court, when it comes to the judgment due our sins and the sins of our ancestors going back to Adam, this is only true for those who come under the new covenant through believing the gospel message and declaring allegiance to the risen Lord Jesus. Jesus took our guilt and punishment upon himself. Believing the gospel, however, though it releases us from the condemnation to the lake of fire, does not necessarily release us from reaping the consequences of parental and personal sins. God's judgment looms over unconfessed and unrenounced generational sin. If the people in leadership of the United States were suddenly to reverse course regarding legalized abortion, repenting, confessing, and renouncing that sin, would that be enough to avert judgment? Only God knows the answer, but it will surely go better for those who do, especially at the final judgment. Ezekiel 18 does not absolve children from reaping the non-judicial consequences of their father's sins. Suffering, embedded lies, traumatic pain, and demonization can devastate families for generations unless someone decides to stand in the gap. God is raising up intercessors who will approach God's throne on behalf of their families to ask forgiveness and release from any previous sins and looming judgments, and to pray for blessings to be released in keeping with God's purposes in the new covenant. Will you be one of those people? I will show you how in the next articles. Let me close by reading Isaiah 58, 12. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up age-old foundations You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. That's the New American Standard Bible. God bless you.